you know, how far back does our story go? Mm-hmm. Is it exactly like what we learned about in school? Or is there, in fact, an entire unknown? Yeah, it seems like no one has a definitive answer of when humans arrived, right? That hunter-gatherer types of groups all of a sudden made a rapid transformation into uh, agricultural communities and building civilizations, and we don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking ancient civilizations today. We got Matt LaCroix here. My man, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? I'm really excited to be here to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, you're working on a great new uh, documentary, right? Yeah, I'm part of a team of experts around the world that we are trying to connect a narrative of an origin point of these lost civilizations, these ancient symbols, and what could be this lost story, this thread that we're trying to understand. You know, how far back does our story go? Mm-hmm. Is it exactly like what we learned about in school? Or is there, in fact, an entire unknown, mysterious chapter of, of our story long ago that would completely change our understanding of who we are, where we've come from, and I think even where we're going? Yeah, it seems like no one has a definitive answer of when humans arrived, right? Right. Well, it's, it's not necessarily, let's think of, we have to dis- differentiate a couple things first. You know, what, are we talking about anatomical humans like we have now, Homo sapiens sapien, or like a primitive human on the earth. And I think that area is very tricky to navigate because something seems to have happened along the way. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's firmly established through the geologic record and any kind of evidence we see from, you know, ancient... cave sites in France and other in other areas that there is a Neanderthal primitive human that existed here, right? And then there was like a Denisovian that was even earlier that was even more primitive. But what we're finding genetically is something strange happened mm. where that hunter-gatherer types of groups all of a sudden made a rapid transformation into uh, agricultural communities and building civilizations and we don't know, well, we'll see if we can find something that, that uh, helps to explain that. But to this point, we really didn't know where that came from right. or how this division occurred. And I'm going to give you a perfect example of that. A site that almost everybody talks about, but it's a good example, is Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. Mm-hmm. It's in central Turkey. It's these giant T-shaped pillars, and anyone who studies ancient civilizations and lost history has heard of it. But what's fascinating is that that site is a very, very good representation of showing that distinction in our history. Right. Because when, the, when archaeologists dug down through layers, they found the, the hunter-gatherer primitive groups that were there. And you, can find, you find spearheads, you find different things where they're hunting, you know, building fires and moving around based on animal herds. But right above it, like almost out of nowhere, you see pottery and, and culture and, and agriculture emerging and these cul- and these these civilizations that go from hunter-gatherers to something else like that. Yeah. Like someone came in, like a traveling group came in, and we have names for those across, across the world. Right. The Abkalu, the great sages, who... Uh, we have so much evidence around the world that there seems to be this this mysterious group that was traveling around mm. and creating civilizations and then moving on. Wow. Right. That sounds trippy, man. Yeah. Is that called the Anunnaki? Well, that comes from the ancient Sumerian deities of their gods in the beginning, and there's there definitely are parallels and connections to that. Mm. Back to back to that story, but I guess what we have to try to encompass and wrap our heads around is that Imagine for a second, if we could almost close our eyes and think about the ancient past, imagine civilizations emerging from the source of knowledge that's very divine and, and, and powerful. Hmm. And they create all these civilizations around the world, and they create the structures specifically for what the purpose of their, their 
civilization was, right? So they don't they didn't find a bunch of malls everywhere in a bunch of bars, right. obviously, hypothetically. They found temples that are aligned to the stars and have specific types of stones that seem to be um, very much for the purpose of reaching higher states of consciousness and something about the energy and balancing the energy of the earth. Mm. But those civilizations evidence around the world is being becoming very clear now overwhelming that those civilizations had reached a maximum where they were the most advanced that they had been mm -hmm. and then globally they were wiped out wow but what's important though about that is that the survivors of those civilizations the great mystics and sages mm -hmm. were the ones who then mysteriously i believe mysteriously traveled around and then created these civilizations out of the complete disaster Shout out to today's sponsor, Rocket Money. Guys, you ever feel like money's just flying out of your account? Well, this app might be able to help you because there's something called subscriptions that are eating at your bank account every single month. And there's apps you don't know about. Delivery apps, streaming services, you name it. You're probably getting charged a monthly fee by a lot of companies and you don't even know. You can see all your subscriptions in one place on the Rocket Money app and you can cancel all the unwanted subscriptions with one tap They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months and negotiate your bills to be even lower by up to 20%. All you got to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that basically finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. They help you monitor your spending and they help you lower your bills. Rocket Money has been a great experience for me personally. They've saved me money, um, hundreds of dollars on bills. They were able to go through all of my credit cards, all of my bank statements, see what I was paying for on a monthly basis. And I found a ton of stuff that I don't even use, honestly. I had an Xbox Game Pass that was being charged monthly. I don't even play games. That one was years old. And they also lowered some of my bills. My phone bill and my Wi-Fi bill were pretty high. They were over 150 bucks a month and they were able to cut down on those prices. So all in all, shout out to Rocket Money, great product. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash DSH. That's rocketmoney.com slash DSH. Link will be in the description below. Of their own. Mm. Like potentially a thousand, two thousand years later. Interesting. Because I mean, you got to imagine, the, like for instance, the last ice age ended um, around 13,000 years ago. And that time period you know, as the younger Dryas was so destructive that we're seeing evidence of catastrophic tectonic plate changes on the earth massive volcanism in fact for the Atlantis story for those who don't know when when um, when Solon traveled to Egypt and found out the story of Atlantis the temple priest there known as the head priest was on a Sanchez mm -hmm. and the other priest told him that Atlantis was destroyed 11,600 years ago, which is exactly the time frame for when the Younger Dryas and these catastrophic events on the Earth ended. Wow. So it started 13,000 years ago with these, these um, disruptive events across the planet, but it ended, it culminated with a massive disaster 11,600 years ago. And that's, we can see that on ice core sheets, ice cores from Greenland. Okay, mm -hmm. showing that there was a massive disruption in the Earth at that time, warming and cooling and all these things. And then it just happens to be that the temple priests from Egypt tell us that Atlantis was destroyed exactly on the date that we're seeing catastrophes through the climate and around the world. There's no way that's a coincidence. No, uh, can't be. Right? Yeah. Have you found any artifacts from these ancient civilizations indicating advanced technologies? Yeah. One of the mysteries is is how they created what they did. Yeah. And I think that's something we really need to talk about and reiterate because when we look at something like Great Pyramid of Giza and we separate that 
it was never housed for pharaohs. You know, Khufu was never even part of it. In fact, the entire Khufu evidence of him being building that and being involved in it was likely a forgery from the 1800s. Wow wasn't even real. Forgery. It's the idea is that they found a name of Khufu inside the Great Pyramid. Mm. And then because they found that name, they then dedicated the whole thing to him. Mm. But the evidence is based on that is because there may have been an interest in controlling the narrative of history a bit and how the purpose of the Great Pyramid of Giza could very much open up those gateways of our understanding. So instead of that, what you do, it's very clever actually, you fake that there was the name Khufu in there. You say it was a tomb for Khufu, and then everyone believes it's a tomb, and then nobody looks at the spectacular achievements that they made going into that pyramid. Mm. Two and a half million stone blocks, some over 10 tons each. It's literally the largest ancient structure on the earth. And what's fascinating, though, it is mathematically perfect when you look at the half ratio of the earth in relation to the sun and the moon. They seem to know exactly the dimensions of our planet. Wow. What, we're, what we need to look at and the aspects of this to encompass in our minds now is to tear down the old narrative of what we've been told and try to look at it with fresh eyes again and say, well, what if there's an entire lost chapter of our history where we weren't primitive, but we were the most, in my opinion, the most knowledgeable and intelligent we'd ever been. Mm. We weren't materialistic, clearly. We weren't using phones. We don't have any evidence of that. But what evidence we have to show how sophisticated they are, like you just asked. Like, for instance, well, you just said the, the, the mathematics in the Great Pyramid of Giza. But that's not even, that's not just one example around the world. Give you another is, let's, like, for instance, take the Great Pyramid. In the Great Pyramid, there's a, in, uh, above the king's chamber are massive, massive granite blocks. Mm -hmm. Now, most people don't know that the majority of the Great Pyramid of Giza is actually limestone blocks. But within the center of the pyramid, hundreds of feet up, somehow they were engineers in those ancient times were able to create these gigantic granite blocks perfectly smooth and cut <laughs> and put them into place. And we have no idea how they did that, except when we find out that they they took those blocks from 500 miles away. Jeez. They were so specific about what type of stone they wanted that they were willing to transport multi-ton granite blocks over 500 miles from a place called the Aswan Quarry down in southern Egypt. Yeah. But what's fascinating is that in that quarry, we still find the evidence of how they were building things, taking things out, manipulating them, right? Let me give you an example. The largest obelisk ever created in history is in Aswan, and it never made it out of the quarry. Mm. Okay? And on that obelisk, you see these very bizarre scoop marks. And that's all I can describe it. It literally looks like ice cream scoops mm. in solid rock, solid granite. Wow. It doesn't make any sense. We have no tools today that could do that. It seems like when people have looked at this from an engineering mindset, that they somehow had advanced tools diamond tips, saw blades, um, and these, whatever this scoop tool is, maybe, maybe related to heat, mm -hmm. something like that, because we have those stones that were either finished or partially finished with saw marks, literally perfectly cut saw marks, drill holes. Again, those scoops I told you about for almost releasing something from the host rock and then, and then per carving it. Yeah. But what were those tools? We literally have no idea. We see the evidence of the markings of them doing it, mm -hmm. but we've never found a tool ever. 
insane. Never found a tool that's ever survived. We don't know where they went. We don't know. We don't know exactly how they even made these things. Yeah. So for us to wrap re formulate our minds to this time period, let's imagine that they were creating things out of stone that we would either have trouble or in some cases couldn't do today, especially by hand. Yeah. Seems like we've taken a step back and right. people like Billy Carson say modern day humans are genetically modified. Do you believe in that theory? So Billy Carson's actually part of this documentary film to go to these sites to change history with me. Mm. We're on those sites. And Billy is he's hundred percent right. We are we are entering this this phase in humanity right now. We're making massive leaps in our consciousness. Physiologically, we're changing. Our vibrations are speeding up. We're mm. seeing all of these um, cosmic alignments that the ancient Maya and the Yuga cycles described. What's fascinating about that is that they seem to understand that these cycles are predetermined hmm. that we go through. Not that we determine them, but that, that they're determined. So if we go through periods of dark ages and, and lower consciousness, it'll be balanced eventually by periods of, of higher consciousness and higher energy and, 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 and light. Right. It's almost like that's this, there's a seesaw that exists in, in our story of time periods where we go through these very negative dark times and then we go through these very, very positive enlightening times. And I think the point of that is that we're coming out of that dark time right now war and destruction and humanity trying to find its way and having all these these fun um tech tools things that we take for granted and like don't even use the right way yeah <laughs> but but we're on the coming into the age of aquarius and all of the ancients around the world have prophesized that the age of aquarius will be the next golden age of a humanity let's go. notice i said next though i didn't say the oh because like the yuga cycles say, they says the yuga cycles out of ancient Hindu civilizations yeah. in India say that we go from a golden age and you get knocked back down from a golden age always mm -hmm. to a bronze age, then a silver age, and then back to a golden age. So we're okay? going silver. So now we're in silver moving into a golden age and it's just this cycle repeating itself. But the point is that if we don't learn what the ancients knew we will not be able to embody going into Aquarius in the way we're supposed to. I actually think that our technology and AI and what we're doing is as much as it can help advance us and connect us to others around the world, it could also be our greatest destruction. For sure, the movie Terminator. So we just have to be really careful in how we use technology and how not to forget about our connection to this, this, this earth and what we are to the universe. Yeah. Right, it's, you can't put a headset on and go into a virtual reality world and have the same experience you would. Absolutely. In your studies of ancient civilizations, have you seen any instances of immortality or people living extended lifespans? Absolutely. It's actually fascinating. There's a there's a tablet that almost nobody has heard of called the Death of Bill Games, and Bill Games was another name for Gilgamesh. Mm -hmm. Okay, and in that it describes how there was a, a point when humans were almost immortal, not quite. But we then we got knocked down to this point of only living, you know, a hundred years, hundred twenty years. Yeah. And what's interesting is that there are numerous, numerous ancient texts across the world. Whether or not it's the ancient Egyptian papyrus that comes out of uh, the Kings List, there, the Turin King List out of Egypt, or if we're looking at the Sumerian King List, the Uruk List of Kings and Sages, even in Genesis. Talking about some of uh, some of the um, Enoch and others living for hundreds and hundreds of years, mm. we see this across a wide spectrum 
of ancient texts. And it seems to be that we had this period of time during what I describe as that other, the previous golden age, that we were living enormous amounts of time mm. like gods. Yeah. We seem to be more like demigods back then. And then these catastrophes subsequently over and over again, not just one, but more than one, have led us to having to not start over, but almost starting over to the point where we think every achievement we have is is based on us in the last four or 5,000 years. And we, I think we ignore the true achievements of the ancients and how we can incorporate that into our thinking. Definitely ignore it. They don't teach that in history school. Right? Yeah, they teach you the wheelbarrows and... <laughs> <laughs> well, they teach you that, that consciousness is derived from the brain, right? Yeah. Which just makes, makes it so that you live a very limited time and you die and that's it. There's this... They create this fear-based system of this fear-based Darwinian survival system where it keeps people entrained in this illusion, I think, of the world in which we're, portray we're portrayed as being just an animal, simple like anything else, but we're smarter. That's mm -hmm. it, they yeah. say, right? And that we got here just because we're taught the smartest and we uh, over-dominated our whatever environment. Except the problem with all of that is that even Darwin very extensively wrote about in his theories and others about pure um, pure evolution from the point of um, what's called macroevolution ev versus microevolution. Yeah. What that means is that microevolution means small changes and macro means large changes. The the understanding that we're we're going down now, the the mysteries is like for instance, is that like how come the human human genome, why do we have forty six chromosomes, but all the entire primate world all have 48 oh every other every animal? single primate on the planet has 48 chromosomes in their dna wow and human beings have 46 That's and we're the only ones that have 46 like something happened to to two of them yeah right something something occurred but that's what i get back to when i was talking about earlier is that this division of these hunter gatherers and this neanderthal primitive human and all of a sudden you have something that takes off Genetically, we can see that occurred based on experts like Lloyd Pye somewhere around 200,000 years ago. Dang. Is that the human brain seems to have doubled in size. Doubled, like wow. out of nowhere. And we, all these traits seem to go into our genetics that were different. Like, for instance, instead of being stronger, more agile, and, and conducive to the environment, we went the other way. Mm. We're fragile. We have all kinds of diseases. So, like, we were, like, messed around with. And then at the same time, though... We seem to be like divinely connected to a higher consciousness as something, something greater, mm. something far different than just um, like a primitive animal. Yeah, and I think that that distinction though is what creates this box that controls us in this reality because it creates that illusion of what we are, or the illusion of what we're not, yeah. and it and it, it defines everything for us. It defines how we view ourselves, how we view how we view the conscious our consciousness in the universe. And how we view immortality, death, mm. how we view, how we view even like what we want to leave behind. You know, if you realize that your energy is eternal and you live forever and you know that karmically you're going to come back in another lifetime, this is what every ancient culture says, mm -hmm. then don't you think that would probably motivate people very differently in life now For sure. to want to do better, to do good things rather than just obtaining as much wealth as they can and stepping on everyone's toes along the way. Mm -hmm. It's very much part of this mindset of psychological control. And I think as soon as that tipping point occurs, where schools teach us that, no, that the brain actually just is like a, it's like a, a 
consciousness is like a is the brain's like a receiver of consciousness okay yeah and that that's really what it is and that our body is more of just an, a way for us to experience true lessons in a physical reality but that we are actually non-physical consciousness and energy that that truly never dies because yeah. remember we energy cannot be created or, or destroyed it can only change state mm. which automatically contradicts what we're told right away right right reincarnation right wow that is fascinating but yeah that mindset shift happened for me recently after talking to people like you like billy i used to fear death now i'm not scared of it you know what i mean it's powerful though isn't I've, it yeah i've explored past lives you know over 700 lives so but that that's a dangerous area yeah. because if humanity goes down that area i think they're going to start looking at all of their what they're doing in their daily lives if they really want to do it anymore and and if they want to bring more substance in mm -hmm. but i think that's inevitable we're we're at that point where we're going to shift over from just being just only thinking about wealth and what we can ob obtain and how about like leaving something behind that changes everything forever i hope so man can't wait to see that though is it true humans only use 10% of their brains? I think that it's not something we can just throw out and say that definitive statement. I think it's more complex than that. Yeah. But I, I will say this. We we use vastly less than, we, than the potential of what we could. And I think that that's based on a capacity. And I, what I mean by that is when someone goes down this path of starting to to learn as much knowledge as they can and they start to bettering the better themselves they go down that path of trying to reach higher states of consciousness i think that that automatically changes the entire scenario going forward for for that person's life and how they want to and how they want to be fulfilled but it's a tipping point because what where we are is unsustainable we can't be forever like an empire that consumes. Mm. We have to somehow realize that we're stewards of, of this earth. I think that's the, our purpose here is that we're supposed to be here in this incredible place to learn and grow and change. And that it's not a prison planet for souls. Mm -hmm. It's a learning, it's a teaching school for souls to come here and learn the fundamental lessons that are integral in our development spiritually and in a physical body. Yeah, I agree for sure. Now you've studied megaliths extensively. Yes. Have you found any connections? Because they're all over the, the world. Right. That's that's a that's a great point. Um, I like to pride myself on if someone could test me and show me a megalithic wall from somewhere. If mm -hmm. I can't guess where it is, I like that little game <laughs> because I'm listen. I'm a total nerd when it comes to megalithic walls. That's what gets keeps me up at night is yeah. studying. It's the first an, thing you showed me when an you came ancient, to that. Right, an ancient temple wall, and be like, well, how do they? create the blocks that precisely cut fit them together like that why do they use the stone they use they first of all how they even manipulate that stone with the tools they had that's what that's what i come in, into my mindset but really what we have to think about is that those are those megalithic walls and temples are almost all that's left mm -hmm. from civilizations that are so ancient that paper and other things just can't survive right, right? and so we need to study them because they in themselves teach us about the sophistication of that civilization and what they were focused on in, in those structures. But what's important though, is that when we identified how, identify how advanced they are and how primitive the work of other cultures that came later, it gives us this ability to say, look, that's not the same civilization that created the, the structures below it. Mm -hmm. They're part of a completely different epic by thousands of years, okay? And if we can recreate that story, 
we can try to figure out where these civilizations that built all these incredible things came from, what their influences were. And that is what I feel these major discoveries with this film with experts around the world in Eastern Turkey yeah. with what I call the Ararat civilization is. And what it, that is, is when I was looking at ancient megalithic walls, I stumbled upon a new set of discoveries in Eastern Turkey in a place called Lake Vaughan, mm -hmm. where they had these incredibly precise um, megalithic walls, blocks and temples built with basalt and andesite. And andesite is one of the hardest stones on earth. Hmm. And as I started to uncover more and more sites around Lake Vaughan, I realized it was an entire civilization. Wow. An entire lost civilization. And that civilization didn't call themselves anything. They left nothing behind to call themselves anything. So I tried to think of the most sacred thing to them. So I called them the Ararat civilization mm. after Mount Ararat that's nearby, only about 55 miles away. Yeah. And that's, those discoveries blossomed into studying these incredible megalithic walls with the same designs that we then matched in places like Peru and Bolivia, um, even in other places like Saudi Arabia mm. in parts of Egypt. And w it got even more incredible than that though, because not only we have these giant, highly sophisticated walls, but there were temples there with these bizarre and mysterious relics yeah. and symbols carved into them that seemed to connect all around the world as like this origin point. And that, I showed you some earlier in the show, like what potentially could be the first cross in history, the, the first chalice, but with a very different meaning than we were told and connecting back to the ancient Sumerians with this last Sumerian king that biblical connections later on related to this biblical Noah figure. Mm. But the point is that this narrative in this area of the world, I believe is the origin of those lost civilizations, or at least most of them. Wow. And as, as I showed you before, I showed you that, that step pyramid symbol that's on that box relief from the Kef Temple yeah. and how you can see that same symbol across the world in Saudi Arabia. You saw it yep. in, uh, in Peru, in Bolivia, the same exact symbol, as well as the cross being passed around in these like divine triptych doorways of these three aspects of, of what make us who we are. Yeah. This, um, the mind, the body, and the soul. Right or in Christian uh, in, in religious texts they call it the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. There's this trinity of of what we are that the ancients realized that there are three pieces of us, and if we can balance all three pieces, we literally unlock this gateway that we become this incredibly high high conscious powerful being. And they left us the blueprints for how to achieve that. And it seems that these, these sages and groups around the world then traveled all over the place and created civilizations and temples with that mindset to pass that knowledge behind so that we wouldn't forget who we truly are. Wow. And so we can find our way home. That is incredible. So these sages must have had a way to travel back then. That's different from today's. They ended up all over the world. Yeah. We, we have evidence, for instance, in, in Mexico, in, in the Maya, their original influencer in the Maya went down on a dark path later, just like the Aztec did. Mm -hmm. But before their original influencer that created everything, his name was Kukukan, and he was their sage. Mm -hmm. And the same exact description, literally identical in, in the Aztec is known as Quetzalcoatl, exactly the same thing. And then down in South America, you have Amaru and Viracocha. And what you find is that there seem to be these enlightened mystics, teachers that were going around and just creating these civilizations. And they described how they described what they looked like too and, and where they came from. And what's weird is 
well, not weird, I should say incredible, is that take all those stories for a second, yeah. for a minute. They're theory, right? What about the fact that there have been elongated skulls, okay, not cranial bindment, natural elongated skulls genetically that have from Tiwanaku in Bolivia, mm -hmm. okay, as well as the Paracas skulls in Peru, and even in, on an island called Malta in the Mediterranean that has a place called the Hippogeum, incredible oracle chamber. All three of those places had elongated skulls found over the last hundred years. Wow. Okay? Some of them are very extensive. There's actually a, a, a museum in Paracas that Brian Forrester, who one of the, one of the experts on this film I'm, I'm, I'm leading, yeah. is one of the curators who's taking care of those. This is what I'm trying to say, though. They did genetic testing of those skulls. Mm -hmm. Not just one organization, but at least three from different areas have done genetic testing on those skulls. All of the genetic testing came back from the same area. Mm. All of it. You know where it came from? Where? Eastern Turkey near the, and also up towards that Georgia Caucasus Mountains region. Wow. Exactly where the Ararat civilization I, I, that I discovered yeah. in Eastern Turkey and how I've, I described how the same megalithic style seems to spread around the, the world from that point. Yeah. And the same symbols seem to spread around the point, spread around the world from that point. And... The genetics that we find is like, for instance, the King's List that come out of there. There's a place called Cavus Tepe at Lake Vaughan mm -hmm. that has a King's List in cuneiform written in the stone. And it states that it was built by King Hike. Mm. And you look up King Hike and you find he's a direct lineage to these ancient Sumerian mysterious Noah figure. Mm. The, thing, the, the story in the rabbit hole gets deeper and deeper when you go down it. But I just want to announce to people that this film is happening. We are going in somewhere around end of May, June with a team of experts around the world to go to every one of these sites and show the, and show the world this mysterious lost story wow. and, and connect it. So if anyone wants to be part of that, Please go to thestageoftime.com and you can contribute towards the film and be part of this. That's so cool. So you've discovered the first civilization ever. It looks like it's an origin point. Yeah. It's an origin point of, you could call it a divine school, where it seems that the knowledge of how to reach higher consciousness, building incredible temples, all of these things were lowered down or, or passed down yeah. to that one spot, specifically that one location. And then... What's interesting is that we already have all these ancient bloodline narratives of the sons of Noah that say they traveled around the world. Mm -hmm. And we're finding the evidence that that's true, but the story is much older. That's cool. Much, much older. So discovering these elongated skulls, does that mean giants used to exist? It means that humans were very different. And what's fascinating is when we look at something like Akhenaten, right? It's an ancient pharaoh from Egypt. Mm-hmm. You look at depictions of him, and he has a very elongated head. Yeah. You've, I don't know if I've you've seen, seen that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The fascinating thing is that you'll have a lot of people bring up cranial enlargement, binding, and they'll say, well, that's what that's from. They just did that because they wanted to. But I would say, what about ancient groups around the world were mimicking, mimicking these ancient bloodline leaders that had elongated skulls, mm. right? Because we know that because we found them. We found the skulls were not altered through cranium and binding. They were natural genetic skulls with, that were different. So there's some kind of anatomical human that existed then that is not really around anymore. Wow. So that's when we got modified probably around. Seem, it seems that way. Yeah. But those individuals seem to be the ones that were the mystics and the sages, mm. like a lost group like a lost chapter to us. And the reason I say that is because when you find out why this 
uh, the last Sumerian king that built these civilizations, his name was Zayasudra or Utapishtim. Yeah. You found you find out that in the story that he had a very important bloodline. He supposedly had a bloodline that was directly connected to the Anuna, mm. the ancient demi-like aspect of who we were at that point where we diverged, right? And that that bloodline had to be preserved. And that these sites at the Ararat civilization at Lake Vaughan was them surviving the catastrophe. Like, remember, the story state, a, f- a massive flood came in. But it's The stories are very clear in the cuneiform tablets, whether it's the Epic of Gilgamesh, the Legend of Itzubar, or the Atrahasis. They all contain nearly the same flood story yeah. with that same character. And he's told that he must survive and that his lineage of his family must survive. Wow. And he has three sons. Okay? Japheth, Ham, and Shem. And though and this those ruins in the in the temples at um at like Cavus Tepe and, and the Ararat, the direct lineage from King Hike that I mentioned yeah. was from Japheth. Jeez. So it, it gets kind of creepy almost because you're <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. So this is real. Yeah. Like this all actually happened. And that's what's so fascinating about it is that is that I I believe we may have found the origin point. Wow. Yeah, because you hear all these myths, all these stories about gods and stuff, and you just think it's, you know, a story. Right. But you're finding actual evidence. Archaeological evidence in locations that have only been uncovered, excavated for only five to ten years in some cases. Wow. In the archaeological world, that is nothing. Yeah. That is nothing. It takes it often takes fifty plus years for something to be fully excavated and recognized. Damn, so that in, long. So when, when society hears about something, it typically is way after. Like way, way after. Right. And so this is cutting edge, very, very new. I'm sorry for every archaeologist that's mainstream that's involved in this that isn't able to say what they really want to say. Why I've read they? all their I've read all their archaeological papers. Yeah. I know how frustrating that must be. Why can't th- they say it? Well, well, let's get into that for a second. I know how frustrating that must be because they know what they've discovered, but they can no one can say it. Mm. And um, in the end of the day, the work they've done to recreate and put these these sites back together, especially Ionis by far, Ionis Temple, which is why I, I literally started my own company called Ionis Legacy after this one site. Wow. For the film and for, every, for my own f- career going forward. But that, they know that it's amazing and incredible, but they're 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 saying that it was built by the Urartian the Urartian civilization that came thousands and thousands of years later mm. okay that built primitive brick and mortar on top and everything it's like it's a little bit disappointing but it still leaves it open to people like me and Billy Carson and Paul Wallace and Brian Forrester and a lot of these others to go and do it ourselves wow because we can't wait for mainstream academics to change the narrative it's it's our job to do that, yeah. to be the voice of reason for the for the people, and to just create whatever create whatever hypothesis makes the most sense based on the evidence and being as, as objective as possible. Mm. So you believe there's a group of people that don't want this kind of information out there, basically. So it's interesting when I looked into this, um, the archaeologists on site at these places, they're fascinated by these these things, but they all talk about how. The great, the great archaeologists that laid the foundation before them mm-hmm. labeled what some of these things were and what they should be, and that automatically had to be stuck in that in that road, right? If you go to if you're in archaeology, in archaeology, and, I, and I'm gonna actually go. Part of my goal is to be an archaeologist with an actual. I want an actual degree for it, but I don't. 
I don't need to go with the mainstream view they want. I just want the credentials for right. it to go and do and do the work just with with other archaeologists because that's my my goal. I'm a right. self taught archaeologist, but I want the credentials for it. And so, imagine an, uh, a doctrine exists, right? It goes it, doctrine has been around for thousands of years, mm. and the doctrine has been firmly established since the Holy Roman Empire. Okay, Constantine. And that doctrine then has academics that then write all kinds of papers and create this formulated history that fits into this 6,000-year window. Yeah. It has to. It must. Okay? According to them. And so they find things like, oh, well, we know the Urartian civilization came here, and they were a warlike civilization. So what we'll do is, this, the evidence here at these sites, we will misidentify nearly every, sim nearly every symbol. Because we're in the mindset of a war of a war culture that came far later, and we'll but we'll identify the fact that none of the none of the cultural artifacts or uh, the ingenuity behind the megalithic walls and the and the the things that they created were at all possible for that other civilization. It's amazing to see them hinting at that so strongly, without being able to say it. Mm. And I'm sorry for them. I am. Yeah. But thank you for doing that hard work to get that done so that individuals like me can then take it and run with it and to take all the archaeological data and say, look, we have all the evidence to prove that these temples and these sites are not only not the Urartian civilization, but I believe that that temple right there, Ionis, that's in yeah. front of you, is over 20,000 years old and is the oldest temple on earth. Wow. Because there are other ancient Sumerian sites like Eridu, but they're buried and destroyed and they were using brick. Mm. They decided to use megalithic basalt and andesite for the first time in history. And because of that, that temple seems to have survived the test of time. Wow, the fact that there's a cross too means religion is, is very old too. Turn this over for a second. I want you to see something. Do you see? This is the Urartian civilization. Mm. This, the smooth brown. Yeah, it looks so smooth. Now look right? at the layer underneath for, for the andesite where the carvings are. Yeah. Do you notice how it looks very different? Very different. That is what the Urartian, the Urartian civilization built, the, the top stuff on top, mm -hmm. the primitive stuff. And the reason why it doesn't look like bricks anymore is because it was bricks, but they eroded so significantly that it just leaves like a, like a, almost like a dirt mound. Yeah. Because it just erodes over time, right? And then look, the work, look at the work on the bottom. It's beautiful, Way isn't more it? more detailed, yeah. It's, this it's incredible. Block and this is like carving. So that's what we're talking about is I'm, obviously archaeologists are stupid. Yeah. But they can't say what they want to say in a lot of cases. That's a shame. And, yeah, and they look at that. You imagine having to go into a site like that and knowing what you know and then having to bend to a narrative. When that that must, have been, must be incredibly difficult. That sucks, man. It makes me question all the history I was taught growing up too. Everything. the teachers are just following a script. That's it. They're not actually passionate about it. Did you know that if you're a teacher in the United States, that you can't teach anything but the pre-described doctrine that was established by the Rockefeller family during World War II? Wow. Still, Did you know that? It was a hundred years the ago. The same educational doctrine that has been established since then is still in place now. It hasn't changed at all. <sighs> and if you're a teacher, right, Sean Kelly, Professor Sean Kelly goes into a classroom. He's like, hey, listen, guys. The heck with these books you throw them behind you right yeah. let's let's break it open and talk about history in the way that i have studied and looked at you are gone in a week you're fired you are gone in a week <laughs> that's terrible. probably not even a week you might not even make it yeah. through the day but that's public schools right that's even college oh college oh yeah absolutely professors in college can't do it either wow
That's a shame. Isn't that sad? Really So sad. anyone that gets an archaeological degree, and I have people that message me, they're like, I still want to do it, though. I'm like, do it. But just have that open mindset to know, yeah. right? We need it. We need an army of future archaeologists that are open-minded that are going to change this narrative. Mm-hmm. So we still need that going forward. Yeah. I've seen you talk in the past about secret societies. That really fascinated me. Do you think they're still around today? It's interesting because I want to point out that that cross at Ionis yeah. is the exact same cross that we then see in the Knights Templar. Wow. Exactly the same. It's called the Red, Red Cross or the Knights Templar Cross. The same cross is then, and I mean identical, the same dimensions, everything, is, mm. then, is then shown um, extensively in the, in, in the, what the Pope wears on his shirt. Yeah. And in the royal, the British royals, the, royal, the British royal crown and, and the, uh, the staff, mm-hmm. the same cross is on there too. Insane. The same though, for those that don't know, there are over 100 variations of the cross in the world. There are many, many different kinds of crosses. Mm-hmm. The Christian cross has the lower, the, the longest point is the point where the bottom part comes down and then you have the smaller upper part, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't have the exact terminology for that. I apologize. But at Ionis and the Knights Templar cross and these others, the cross is equal on all sides. Exactly equal. It's a very different kind of cross, mm-hmm. Okay. Now, is it a possible, what kind of coincidence is it that the Knights Templar, this mysterious group that was like protecting ancient wisdom, is using that exact same cross from that location and is almost like they're like the future sages. You know, you imagine like those sages are long ago, long ago gone, right? Yeah. Dead and disappeared. But then another secret society, other secret societies emerge trying to do something similar but imagine that that environment no longer exists. Mm. There are war empires around the world. It's our, our planet's like kind of in chaos. People are all fighting. And so what happens? You get an organization like the Knights Templar that are one of their tasks is to protect the original meaning and teachings behind that cross. I, I, I believe that a lot of the secret societies, their function and their purpose came out of preserving some of those ancient ways yeah so like we know that the, the first what multiple founding fathers first 13 or something were all freemasons right mm-hmm. and by the way the freemason cross 33 degree freemason exactly the same one wow exactly the same one that is crazy. at ionis from this origin point of that that's fascinating and you can see it right there right right that one right there yeah and so Man. secret societies seem to have become more corrupt over time, though. Yeah. As the Knights Templar were systematically eradicated later on, if anybody looks into that story, that's incredibly sad. Um, they were originally like the most sought after protectors of that knowledge. And then over time, because you got different leadership, they were eventually sought after and, and like executed in, in where. Wow. Because there was a point made where they decided that they were going to hide all this. Yeah. All of this from the world and just keep it in small little groups. And that's what secret societies became. And they literally then ended up taking over and like running the world, I think. Yeah. Cause you hear about like the Illuminati, the elitist WEF or whatever you want to call it, you know? But I think even they see the writing on the wall that all those, that foundation of sand, like Graham Hancock says, is crumbling all around us. And yeah. I think that um, even things like this, it's time. Yeah. That old narrative of hiding or, or having someone just disappear, right? I think that's over. And I think the time of disclosure and knowledge and truth is finally coming right now. I could feel it. Right? Day by day. Yeah. It's, it's like a knowing. 
Like yeah. we all know, you pick, you go up to someone in the street, you're like, hey, I, I talk about like ancient pyramids and lost civilizations and, and I tell you probably like six out of 10 people are like, I'm really into that. That's cool. I want like, I, I think about that stuff too. <laughs> That's changing so significantly so fast, now yeah. that we're now at that tipping point where people really like know that the old historical narrative is kind of bull. Yeah. And we're, I think we're at that point where people are very open to hear about it, but they're waiting, waiting like always for the academic mainstream to change it before they get on board. Yeah. It seems to be how it is, right? You get so many people that know you and they're like, I love what you're doing, but like secretly what they want to say is like, but I can't support you online because you know, it's not <laughs> some people might think I'm crazy, Yeah, but that's changing now. More and more people are not thinking that way. For sure. And I would just encourage people to not wait for a mainstream shift and try to think for yourself. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Let's end this on a fun one. What is your take on Antarctica and what's got, what's happening there? That's cool. I, Antarctica for me is a very mysterious place. For those who don't know, though, the ice cap of Antarctica is roughly 500,000 years old. So it is ancient, ancient place. Mm -hmm. um, why are there so many governments around the world down there studying? Mm. How... Someone will go, well, if, we had, if we had a scientist next to us, I know what they would, they would go, well, we're down there um, with, with countries around the world so that we can have an objective understanding of taking ice cores and looking at the climate of Earth in the, in the past because Antarctica is a perfect place for that. I agree. But how many ice cores do you have to take <laughs> before you get an idea? They've already taken ice, ice cores from something like over a dozen locations across Antarctic ice cap. Yeah. They, they know, like they know. So what, what are they still doing? Why are there, there's so many scientific organizations, organizations down there and like secretaries of state visiting and people. I believe that Antarctica may be the key to understanding how to balance the magnetic sphere of our earth. Hmm. Because let me explain something that our planet is based on an energy system called the toroidal field of energy. It means that energy flows out of the southern, the south pole of our planet, flows up through the, the top pole. If, you, if anybody wants to look this up right now, go look up the toroidal field of energy for the Earth, okay? Mm -hmm. And you'll see that it's very obvious. Now, if that's the case, and we look at lost civilizations and how the wobble, wobble, wobbling of the poles and shifting of the poles may have led to tectonic massive tectonic shifts and tsunamis and volcanoes. And I actually believe that that was caused by a coronal mass ejection wow. from the sun, which then shifted all the poles and then created chaos around the planet, right? Yeah. If that's true, and that happens in cycles, then if you were going to pre prevent it, you would have to go to Antarctica mm. because there'd be no other way to, um, there'd be no other way to manipulate the magnetic, magnetic field of the earth in a way where you could create something. It's, it's weird to me how someone like Nikola Tesla and all his discoveries on free energy and magnetism just disappears, right? Yeah. Disappears. And then all these mystery things are going on in Antarctica and our poles are shifting right now. They're flying up to do reintegration for, for satellites and, and GPS. And we, that, that they've been wobbling and we've seen it and it's happening. The question is, is that the idea is that they're preventing it from moving too far mm. because that's the idea is you have a spinning, you have a spinning um, disc, right? Yeah. If you cause it to wobble too much, it's going to be like chaos. Tsunami. It has to be, it has to be in a steady way, but that spinning, that's the spinning disc can still wobble slightly right. and, and maintain its equilibrium. If I was going to throw a theory out there, 
I believe they're playing with the magnetosphere of the planet mm. in a way where I think they're trying to quietly prevent those events that have happened in our past. We're exactly 13,000 years from the last one. Randall Carlson, great expert in his field, believes that, that 13,000 years may be a defined cycle. Of like natural disasters? Yeah, of coronal mass ejections. How much have you seen the news about the sun going through changes? I have. Right? Yeah. So imagine that maybe they're using some kind of technology to quietly prevent us from going down the same road of our ancestors who, even though they were so highly conscious and spiritual and sophisticated in building temples around the world and doing all these incredible things, they were wiped out. Yeah, that's scary because they were way more advanced than us too. But they didn't have the technology we had. Right. So perhaps that's why we're going to make it. Mm. You know, do we deserve to make it? I hope so. <laughs> I like to think we do. There's a lot of good people in the world. Yeah. But it's just sad to me that the ancients with their mindsets were wiped out and we're, and we're able to survive. Right. But the takeaway there is why don't we just try to understand what they knew and that way we can make it for the first time ever. Yeah. Because we never had a civilization make it through that cycle. Really? Never? It seems like every time they get destroyed. Because remember, Solon traveling to Egypt, the temple priest there, Sancha says, Oh, Solon, you Greeks remember one deluge. But there have been many. Hmm. Primarily of water and fire. Wow. Destroying these civilizations. And we need to remember that, that we're... I want to say we need to remember that while I think that our story is important and we're not just left at the mercy of whatever's going to happen, it doesn't mean that we need to take that for granted yeah. and not remember or understand who we were and what we're supposed to be. I think that maybe is a package deal of us being able to get, go forward in the future. I love that. Matt, it's been a blast. We'll have to do a part two. Anything Absolutely. You wanna, yeah, anything you want to close off with, promote. Um, thank you so much to everyone who follows my work. Please go to thestageoftime.com if you want to contribute to the film and be part of this. Because we're going to be going to Turkey, going to Bolivia, and we're going to be truly changing history. Love it, man. Can't wait to see that film. I'll be supporting you. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for watching, guys. See you tomorrow.